Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, we have some really amazing news. The tide is turning on Believe the Science, especially with gender dysphoria. Um, We're way behind other countries, way behind. They are getting off this bandwagon in a big way. And as we double down, the rest of the world is saying, don't do what America is doing because it's really dangerous. Uh, You have to hear this article. It is it's fascinating how far we have fallen in our medical fields. We're looked at as witchcraft almost or worse, believe it or not. Also, Carol Roth joins us to talk all about uh, the economy and what the IRS is doing with 87,000 new agents. Patrick Collins is on. He owns a uh, gun business. I'm sorry, an ammunition business, and he ships ammunition and has for a while now all over the country. UPS is losing his packages, and he's not alone. There are several companies that are losing hundreds of thousands of dollars in ammunition. Where are UPS is that ammunition going, and why don't they seem to care? We have that and the election results on today's podcast, brought to you by Goldline. Everybody from Joe Biden to Janet Yellen looking at the American people with a straight face saying inflation. I do not think that word means what you think it means. Yeah, no, it really does mean that. Okay, I know the definition of inflation. Those people, they're not straight shooters. Honest as the day is long. Uh, Are we believing this? Really? Are we have we become that stupid? In case you haven't heard, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa are planning to issue new global reserve currencies, which is great, because we're not doing enough to destroy the value of our own dollar. Please, I urge you to call Goldline today. Call them today. Ask them about their legal tender bar special that's going on, where you get two. You get two of the legal tender bars. You get one the uh, for, for free the benjamin franklin rounds at no cost so that's silver for free when you buy some gold silver and gold 866 goldline 866 goldline or goldline.com call them now here's a podcast you're listening to the best of the glenn beck program So I read this story uh, yesterday. It was scheduled to be on yesterday's program, and I, I just didn't have time to squeeze it in. But it is so important as really good news of people coming back to their senses. What is the problem right now? The problem is we don't talk to each other. We don't listen to one another. Anybody who says, don't read that. You can't talk to them. You're friends with that person. The science is settled, and we can't even discuss it anymore. I should put you in jail for even questioning that. Anybody who says that, get them out of your life. Don't listen to them. This is the way science um, makes progress, 
is through talking about things, questioning, turning it over and over and over and over again. I mean, did you, I don't know if you heard about that study on Alzheimer's, the study that was faked, faked in 2006 or seven, faked. Billions of dollars have been spent on this fake study that was peer-reviewed and everything else, but it was fake. We have been going in the wrong direction now for about 15 years or so uh, because of this fake study. How many lives and how many, how many memories will be lost? How many families will suffer because of that? One guy questioned it. And he tried to get in and say, hey, guys, this is not right. But the study authors had very powerful friends. Well, it's finally come out. We have to question and constantly when it comes to science, constantly question ourselves. Over the past three decades, the Gender and Identity Development Service at the Travistock Clinic in London has seen thousands of British children for gender dysphoria, with a British minister noting that more than 4,000% increase happened. 4,000% increase of referrals for girls just in the last decade. But last Thursday, Britain's National Health Service announced it's closing down Travistock for good and, in effect, rebuking the common American medical approach known as gender-affirming care for treating children with gender dysphoria. This can include a mix of puberty suppressants, cross-sex hormones, and surgeries, interventions in minors that can lead to irreversible effects. You know what is incredible to me? is I have, I have friends that are going to Mexico for surgeries because the surgeries here are becoming so expensive. Wait, what? And I was like, you know, I don't know if I want the guy with the big hat, you know, in Tijuana doing a surgical procedure. And they're like, no, you have no idea, Glenn. It's, it's not that way anymore. We used to lead the world in medical uh, science, we now are becoming the laughing stock of the world. For years, whistleblowers have rung the alarm about shoddy care at Travistock. Psychologists who work there uh, said that vulnerable children were being prematurely rushed into transition. Parents confronted the head of the clinic. A courageous uh, detransitioned woman, Kira Bell, said that the kids at Travistock were unable to understand the ramifications of puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones. Wait a minute. A 12-year-old kid is not prepared to understand the life ramifications? What? The National Institute for Care and Excellence, a governmental body that creates evidence-based guidelines... <laughs> found that the link between transitioning and improved psychological function was, in fact, very weak, which is the off-sighted uh, justification for childhood transition. It's as if gender dysphoric kids are not allowed to transition. They will commit suicide, despite the lack of evidence for this claim. Then, they write, the coup de grace. The widely respected pediatrician, Dr. Hilary Cass, 
An independent study of Britain's care for transgender children found that Travis Stock's approach was unsustainable and children were receiving inadequate inadequate care. There was, Dr. Cass wrote in her report, a lack of consensus and open discussion about the nature of gender dysphoria and therefore about the appropriate clinical response. The National Healthcare Service is following Cass's recommendation to shut down Travistock and replace it with a series of centers in regional hospitals. The bottom line is there will be no more top-down, one-size-fits-all transitioning for kids with gender dysphoria in the UK. Amen. Amen. All kids that are like, you know what? I'm a tree. I don't think I take a branch and jam it through their arms. You know what I mean? You know what? We should cut off your legs, and I'm going to replace them with tree stumps. No. In a sign that they may be rethinking the puberty blockers are safe and reversible, the American Food and Drug Administration also on Thursday announced there was they were slapping a new warning on puberty blockers. It turns out they may cause brain swelling and vision loss. But for now, the move among American medical associations, health officials, and dozens of gender clinics is to double down on the affirmative report, uh, approach, with the Biden administration recently uh, asserting gender affirmation is trauma-informed care. The American stance is at odds with a growing consensus in the West to exercise extreme caution when it comes to transitioning young people. Uber-progressive countries like Sweden and Finland have pushed back firmly and unapologetically against the affirmative approach of encouraging youth transition advocated by some transgender activists and gender clinicians. This is incredible. When you have Sweden and Finland and England, all of these progressive states who we've got to be more like Europe, when you have France being more conservative on abortions, you should recognize that we are off the deep end. Sweden's National Board of Health and Welfare re- uh, released new guidelines for treating young people with gender dysphoria earlier this year. The new guidelines state that the risk of these gender-affirming medical interventions currently outweigh the possible benefits and that the treatment should be offered only in exceptional cases. Finland's Council for Choices in Healthcare uh, came to a similar conclusion earlier this year, noting the first line intervention for gender variants during childhood and adolescent years is psychosocial support and, as necessary, gender exploratory therapy and treatment for comorbid psychiatric disorders. In light of available evidence, gender reassignment of minors is an experimental practice. Gender reassignment, medical interventions, must be done with a great deal of caution and no irreversible treatment should be initiated. Guys, I am telling you right now, we are going to be remembered as a society that if we don't stop, will make the Nazis look like rookies. Remember, 
all of those Nazi experiments on children and stuff, those happened in the children's hospital. They didn't happen first at the concentration camps. They happened at the children's hospital. And the doctors and the nurses were convinced they were doing the right thing, while the rest of the world said, oh, my gosh, no. And at first, many of those countries like Sweden and Finland were part of it. They were like, you know what? We should maybe get rid of the unfit. But later, they figured it out before the Nazis figured it out. Both guidelines starkly contrast with those uh, proffered by the Illinois-based World Professional Association of Transgender Health, an advocacy group made up of activists, academics, lawyers, and healthcare providers, which has set the standard when it comes to transgender care in the United States. First of all, you should not have an advocacy group of of, uh, activists making up a, a, a medical board. They, they're activists. They will soon issue new standards that lower recommended ages for blockers, hormones, and surgeries. Get it? The United States is going in the other direction. Their position in keeping with an array of U.S. medical associations and activist groups across the country that insist gender-affirming care is life-saving, Assistant Secretary of Health Rachel Levine, who is herself a transgendered... I can't say it. She's a dude, man. Anyway, recently asserted that there is a medical consensus that uh, as to its benefits, some activists and gender clinicians in the U.S. feel that their uh, plan doesn't go far enough, asserting that any child who wants puberty blockers should get them. For instance, or claiming that a teenager who later regrets it having her breast removed can just get new ones. The U.S. is engulfed by a political turmoil, and while the Scandinavians are not, I wondered... How would they come to their conclusions and what can their experience teach us? In mid-July, I spoke with Thomas Linden, director of knowledge-based policy and healthcare at Sweden's National Board of Health and Welfare. He told me that Sweden's first guidelines for treating people under 18 with gender dysphoria came out only in 2015 after increasing awareness among healthcare professionals of the existence and needs of gender dysphoric youth. At the time, the focus was very much about the rights issues and making visible the need for care for this group and to secure access to care. Those guidelines were broadly welcomed by activist groups, patients, and the medical community. They allowed for puberty blockers and hormones, but urged clinicians to do long-term follow-up of patients who transitioned. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Okay, so listen to this. This is the study that they were doing over in the Netherlands. 
The 2015 guidelines that were created with a certain cohort in mind at the turn of the 21st century, the Dutch had designed a medical protocol for what was then called gender identity disorder based on a small group, mostly male, that had long lasting childhood onset gender dysphoria and didn't have any other serious mental health issues. They seemed to fare well after medical transition in adolescence. But the methodology asserting this wasn't reliable. By contrast, the young people who have been seeking care at Swedish clinics after 2015 were increasingly teenage girls with multiple psychiatric diagnoses. And there were a lot of them. It rose from four to 77 per 100,000 inhabitants. The guidelines were written for what we thought was a smaller group of patients, also more homogeneous. The same trend was found in Finland, where clinicians first started providing medical treatments for gender dysphoric youth in 2011. The chief psychiatrist at the Department of Adolescent Psychiatry um, at the University Hospital in Finland said this came in uh, in part over political pressure. Did you hear this? This came in in part over political pressure, as well as growing awareness that the Dutch and British were medically transitioning kids. In 2015, the doctors started to see the same dramatic increases in female adolescents with gender dysphoria. The number of referrals skyrocketed. There have been fivefold more girls coming in. And they appeared to be very much influenced by other adolescents. No. Look at the destruction of our women. Look at the destruction of little girls. Not only are men preying on our little girls and our society, the popular vote is just let's sexually exploit them. Yeah. Put them on TV. Sex them up. Now you have the trans community coming out, the advocates for this, coming out not doing psychiatric care, not even asking a psychiatric question in America. And what's happening? They're being influenced. It's not that we have 30% of classrooms that are gay. It's just the popular cool thing right now. Yes. It's unclear if the infusion of trans storylines into the media contributed to the shift. Of course it is. Vogue 2015, the year of trans visibility. Caitlyn Jenner on Vanity Fair. Year after time declared that there had been a transgender tipping point. It was also the year that the reality show I Am Jazz came out. These young people are showing up. Nothing like the ones in the Dutch research. We were astonished to find out that most of the adolescents who were referred to gender identity assessment, they had severe psychiatric problems. Clinicians could not be sure that these problems were the cause or the effect of gender dysphoria. In America, the common explanation for such statistics were that they were a sign of progress, that this was a natural effect of the destigmatizing transgender people. But for the Swedish and Finnish clinicians, it was a cause for concern. In 2018, a paper was released, virtually nothing is known about adolescent onset gender dysphoria. 
And the doctor that wrote it worried that delaying brain maturation with puberty suppressants could stymie the adolescent task for identity consolidation and could exacerbate existing mental health issues. There was also a high rate of autism among those adolescents with onset gender dysphoria. They go on to say, because the Dutch study had indicated relatively few patients regretted having transitioned, many clinicians assumed that detransitioning, reverting back to living as one's birth sex, was rare. But in Finland, one study showed 76% of detransitioners didn't inform their clinics of any feelings of dissatisfaction or regret, so they couldn't calculate the actual rate of detransition. But in the UK, they find 10% of detransition. We don't know what we're dealing with. Can we please stop experimenting on our children? This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. It is time now for our George Soros update. Yes. It's weird that George Soros update suspiciously sounds almost like the Darth Vader theme, but I think that's purely a coincidence. Uh, George Soros is in the news because uh, he's getting a lot of heat for his uh, meddling in our elections and putting in all of these AGs that are now being thrown out of office. You can't even, the cities can't even wait for the next election. They're like, please make it stop. So George Soros um, uh, just wrote a uh, essay in the Wall Street Journal and I've had it on my desk and I, I, I'm just, we're getting so far behind. I just have to take, I have to take pepperoni eyes uh, at his word and say, you know, the evil emperor has spoken. So let's listen to what he has to say. And he said, like most of us, I'm very, very concerned about crime. One of government's most important roles to ensure public safety. I have been involved in efforts to reform the criminal justice system in the more than 30 years that I have been a Philip Philip Phil Philan rapist. What's a Philan rapist? Anyway, uh, our system is rife with injustices that make us all left safe, less safe. The idea that we need to choose between justice and safety is false. They reinforce each other. If people trust the justice system, it will work. And if the system works, public safety will improve. No toys! Anyway, um, we need to acknowledge that black people in U.S. are five times as likely to be sent to jail as white people. That is an injustice that undermines our democracy. No. Okay, can we stop looking at things as groups, please? An injustice will happen to one person, not necessarily to a group. So let's not say all black people are bad or all white people are good or all black people shouldn't be in prison. All white people shouldn't be in prison. What do you say? The ones who have actually committed crimes should go to jail. I don't care what color they are. I don't get 
Justice is blind. You know what? I, you know what? You know what's all this? You know what's all this? Is if we just stuck forks in all of the judges' eyes, then they'd be blind. Justice is supposed to be blind. Maybe we make that mandatory. All justice. You want to be a judge? You've got to be blind. And nobody tell him what color it is. He doesn't know. It's a white guy that he just sends. We spend $81 billion every year keeping around 2 million people in prisons and jails. Well, if that's what it takes to keep, you know, murderers off the streets, I'm kind of okay with that. Are, you know, are you? Look, I am looking for uh, ways to invest more in preventing crime and strategies that work. Now, listen to this. He's more interested in investing in preventing crime and strategies that work. This agenda at both safety and justice is based both on common sense and evidence. It is popular. It is effective. Is that why everybody is having a recall of all of your DAs? Because it's so popular? You know what? Forget about the stabbing and the shooting. I love this guy when the the job that they are doing in office so much, I want to get him out of office before the next election. They've just done such good work. Sure, we could keep him in there, but I want to reward them by getting them out of office. That, George, is not popular. This agenda is popular. Serious scholars, oh, scholars, researching causes behind the recent increase in crime have pointed to other factors. A disturbing rise in mental illness among young people due to the isolation imposed by COVID lockdowns. Oh, so we're now, we're now recognizing that that caused mental illness. We're... A pullback in policing in the wake of public criminal justice reform protests. Those weren't criminal justice reform protests. Those were mobs in the street that were condemning our cops and calling them all killers. Uh, I don't know if you noticed this, George, but that little experiment uh, led to a lot of great cops just leaving. It led to also places just firing a bunch of cops. Have you been to Seattle lately? Oh, it's beautiful this time of year when the when the red from the blood kind of uh, just kind of reflects up on the green of the trees. Oh, you feel like it's Christmas time. Many of the same people who call uh, for more punitive criminal justice policies also support looser gun laws. Yeah, somebody should have a gun because your people are letting all of the criminals out in the street. This is why I've supported the election and more recently in re-election of prosecutors who support reform. I have done it transparently. Oh my gosh, you are so transparent. You are as transparent as a mountain. And I have no intention of stopping. Of course not. Nothing can stop you. Nothing can stop. No country... No sane country in the world will would allow somebody to come into the country like George Soros and just meddle in our elections like he's doing. Just shape, get into bed with the left, fund them to the tune of billions of dollars, millions of dollars going through all these shadow organizations 
to fund everything that could destroy us. No, no, no. I'm no, I'm serious. It's going to be very, very, very good. Yeah, very good. Uh, what I want to do is uh, maybe put in uh, some Russian people in for police. You're missing police, so I thought maybe we'd... Yeah, I find it kind of fun. Meet Boris. Oh. Oh, good, the police. Oh, they're going to be Russians. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, I, I, I kind of... Sure, people will be hurt, legs will be broken, but... You know, you have to break some eggs. Okay, okay, all right. Hey, here's something else that he's doing. Um, he is spearheading with Joe Biden uh, efforts against election integrity. He is spending all kinds of money just to make sure everything is safe and comes out the way it should, you know? A proposed constitutional amendment in Michigan by a Soros-funded group would prevent both stricter voter ID requirements and a ban on private donations to election officials from being enacted. So he's, he's like, but I just want to give some money to some, elective, uh, some uh, election officials. What could possibly go wrong? I, you call it a bribe. I call it uh, happy money. Federal agencies under the Biden administration now seeking to increase voter registration and turnout. A group, a group linked to the left-wing megadonor, George Soros. I have, why are you saying this? Why are you saying my name? Is it because I'm Jewish? Is pushing for a constitutional amendment in the battleground state of Michigan that would allow Zuckerbucks to be used in election administration. Oh, well, then what could possibly be wrong? Would the press leave me alone if I said, you know what, I'm going to fund uh, like it's it's like a traveling library, except it's a traveling uh, little bus that you can vote in. And I'm going to go to all of those counties that are the deepest, deepest of red. And I'm going to make sure that we get every vote. Uh, of course, I, 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 I'm just funding it. I have nothing to do. I have nothing to say about it. Oh, and I've paid off some people in, you know, in the in the um, in the local precincts. You know, just I just giving them some happy money. Would anyone in the press say, oh, that's OK for Glenn Beck to do it? No, of course not. I wouldn't do it because I wouldn't be cool with it. The states, that is their job. Oh. Anyway, so he is now working with Biden, funding all of this stuff. Earlier this year, Biden put out to his entire cabinet, all of the departments, such as housing and urban development, health and human services, and the labor department. Look, Boris is busy right now. You want more legs broken? But, uh, they now want to turn uh, their work and, you know, sure, I want you, you know, those assisted housing centers, those are fantastic. Could you just register some people, too? Federal agencies are now participating in voter turnout efforts. Uh, and, by the way, I just want you to know, those, those agencies are all now run by Democrats. Would you be okay with this, Democrats, if Donald Trump said, by the way, I'm just taking, hey, guys, an hour of your workday, uh, you know, just an hour, you Democrats, you, you, and well, not you. How did you vote? Yeah, not you, but you, you, and you. 
I want you to turn your agency into a, a, a voter registration agency. This is insane. Insane. George Soros should be banned from the United States. His money should be banned. By the way, uh, a judge in San Francisco, you know, yesterday they were like, we got to allow non-citizens to vote because uh, because non-citizen has the word citizen in it. So they're citizens, non-citizens, and they should vote. Yeah, well, there was a ruling that has just been released. The judge in San Francisco, let me say that again, a California judge struck down the San Francisco city ordinance allowing non-citizens to vote. Ha! Huh. Gee, what could have gone wrong with that? It's amazing how our government has been turned into an instrument that is opposed to our individual rights and protecting our individual rights. Our vote is sacred. You have a right to have your voice be heard. And you have your right to make sure that your voice is not watered down by corruption or by people who shouldn't be voting. That's their priority. This administration is using every tool they have to do the exact opposite. This is why these admin this administrative state has to be shut down. It's not constitutional. It is a it is a progressive idea and nobody in our founding had thought, "Oh yeah, Congress will just give up their power." Why would people do that? Because they're getting rich if they do and they don't have to answer for anything. So they just keep going to work. Let the administration do it and the administration doesn't he, Biden, he's, I'm not, I mean, yeah, I hired the guy, but holy crap. What did he do? What did the administration do? Well, it wasn't him, the head. It was probably somebody down, you know, like a Lois Lerner. And we can't blame them or send them to jail unless, how did she vote? Yeah, we can't send her to jail. That's not the American way. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program, and we really want to thank you for listening. Everybody's favorite recovering investment banker, Carol Roth, the author of The War on Small Business. Have you named your next book yet? What is the name of it? Oh, you keep Do you want to announce it or not? Not, not yet. Not yet. It's coming. It's coming. We'll, we'll, uh, okay, as soon I'm, as we're ready. I'm excited. Here, here's I'm, what I'm going to, I'm going to give you the, the promise. <laughs> I will, I will break the news live with you. Okay. Well, I'm excited because I know what it's about. I know what it's about. Uh, and it's, and it's going to be really, really good. Anyway, um, Biden is seeking an extra $80 billion. This on top of the other spending. This is $80 billion in extra funding for the IRS to crack down on tax evasion by those billionaires, which not a chance. 
Uh, you just tweeted, uh, they're only going after the billionaire and the wealthy crowd. The government consistently enables wealth transfers to the wealthy. You think that's what they're going to change? Who has the bucks to support the lobbying and their reelection? Really? They're going after that. Biden hiring 87,000 new IRS agents to go after 800 or 900 billionaires? Enjoy your audits. Yes, I, I hope. What's this I about? Hope- I hope everybody is prepared. This is very frustrating. You know, the the Democrats like to pretend that they are the party of the middle and working class. And the Biden administration has continued to find ways to extract wealth from the middle and working class. We saw it in the American Rescue Plan. They raised the reporting threshold for any sort of hobby sites you might have to uh, potentially get the flags for audits up. It went from $20,000 on an eBay or Etsy down to $600. Now, and this was part of Build Back Better, which we thought was dead, but now is just coming back in pieces. This this piece has survived $80 billion for the IRS, over which half of that, as you said, is going to hire 87,000 agents for enforcement. Okay, we don't need 87,000 agents to go after what was 800 or 900 billionaires? It might not even be that much anymore now that the stock market has gone down. So who do you think they're coming after? They want you to buy into this. They want you to buy and go, yes, those people need to pay their taxes. And as soon as you give them that approval and that money, they're going to come after you. And regardless, you should pay your taxes that are due, but that doesn't mean you're not going to get an audit. And that doesn't mean you're not going to have to justify every single thing that you do and waste your time and money so they can try and extract a few more dollars from you um we know from the obama administration they politicized the irs we also know that they just bought seven hundred thousand dollars worth of bullets for the irs (laughs) that is really frightening Eighty-seven thousand new auditors going out to what small businesses of america they're not going after the rich They, you know, they're not going to go after the poor either, but they're going to go after anyone who a disagrees with them. And because it's now public private partnerships, any business that doesn't agree with them. Yeah, this is um, really, really scary. In fact, now that my tweet has sort of gone viral, uh, I've never been audited before, but I'm certain that I will be um, next time around. I was audited under the. Yeah, I was audited underneath the uh, the Obama administration for the very first time. So yeah. that and, was and fun. It, that was and, fun. The, and they do. They politicize it. And the crazy thing are the number of people who gave feedback and said, well, if you're not a tax cheat, what do you have to worry about? And you've hit the nail on the head, Glenn, is that the politicization of this, they're going to come after people, they're going to harass you, they're going to tie up your time, they're going to tie up your money. And regardless of whether you have followed the rules or not, there's a great Warren Buffett phrase that said something along the, if the cop uh, follows you for 500 miles, at some point you're going to get a ticket. It's the same kind of thing. They will find something because you have to justify it. And even if you are in the right, they still have the final say. And now you said they're now they're loading up on ammunition. So what exactly is it that you're going to do? So I I think this is part of just the impoverishing. I mean, you want to take down inflation. You have to stop people's buying power. 
Um, the government is spending money everywhere. So that's just going to increase inflation. But they're impoverishing us. If you want to, at 2030, you will own nothing and you'll be happy, like the World Economic Forum's plan is. You have to impoverish people. And so they're taking our money through actual taxes, um, getting more draconian on it, but they're also taxing us without representation in inflation. Yeah, everywhere. uh, Go ahead. I would say everywhere you turn from every side, there's either the direct or the indirect taxation um, that impacts you on on an ongoing basis. You know, it is the continual expansion of the government and the monetizing of the debt. It is the uh, intentional causing and deliberate causing of this rampant inflation that lowers the purchasing power. Even if you feel like, oh, I may be making a few more dollars, you know, your dollar's not going as far, then they're going to do it through direct taxes. And then the next thing that's coming, Glenn, after this, and they've already started seeding this, is wealth taxes. We've we've heard, oh, we're going to start, you know, taxing quote unquote unrealized capital gains as that if that's a thing or income, which it's not. And th- there is an eighty four point four trillion dollar generational wealth transfer that's going to happen in the next twenty three years. This is, you know, the the boomers and you know those above them who are going to be passing this on to their heirs. Do you think the government's not trying to get their hands on as much of that as possible? Of course they are. So they're seeding they this wealth stuff with the wealthy, with the billionaires, so that you concede the principle that it's okay to do it. And that is, in my opinion, but, what they're really after. $84.4 trillion that is going to be transferred from one generation to another. So here is, here's the real problem of this. Um, you know, the people will cry out for the millionaires and billionaires, but Once you do that, you're violating the principle and they can come after you for it as well. And, uh, you know, you don't have the right, in my opinion, the progressive income tax is is morally reprehensible. It is just morally reprehensible. You cannot the government cannot print a right to do what you cannot do. So if we all agree on taxes it's totally fine to say, okay, everybody pays the same rate on my block. But it's not, I don't have the right to tell people, you know what, they have more than you do and I do, right down the street in the next block. We're going to have the sheriff go, and they have to pay more in taxes than we do. I don't have that right. I don't have that right. How does the government have the right to do it? They don't. And just even the rhetoric, you know, I'm a strong proponent of individual rights at the principal level. And you have people like, you know, Elizabeth Warren who go out and they name people. They name Musk. They name Bezos. We're going after these people. Think about that. You know, assume these people didn't have billions of dollars and you didn't like them for whatever reason. The principle that somebody in Congress is specifically going after a civilian is so morally wrong and scary. And then what if they decide to do that to you for whatever the reason is? I mean, you cannot concede these principles. And unfortunately, we have so many people who are just basically bootlickers of the state that they say, no, no, you know, down with this person, down with this person. And they're the ones who are going to end up with the middle class 
and the working class completely trashed because I hate to tell you this, folks, the billionaires don't have enough money. If you took the top 11 billionaires, you took away every penny of their wealth as it's valued today, you'd fund the government for two and a half months for one year and then it would all be gone. So who are they going after? Everybody else. It is, you know, I, I, I talked about this uh, yesterday, that if you look at what the government is doing, we had the strategic oil reserve full and it was, you know, at $2 a gallon. Um, and then uh, Biden comes in and he pretty much raises, creates a new tax on gasoline by shutting everything down. So it costs us $5 a gallon. Um, and we're having a hard time with it. Then he says, I'm going to take your tax money and I'm going to refill this oil. So now the government is in competition for us with us for that oil. So we're going to pay not only for that oil again, but we're also going to pay for it at the gas pump and it will cause a problem. But the most important thing is, and this is happening, I think, with chips as well. The government is becoming the big buyer. And when you're a big buyer, you control the market. And so you control what these companies do. This, I think they're creating public-private partnerships while impoverishing us. Yeah, I mean, and we've seen this happen, you know, it's sort of a stepping stone to the nationalization of industries. And we saw this happen in Venezuela, which was, you know, the fourth or fifth wealthiest country in the middle of the 1900s. And now the median um, net worth for Venezuela is zero because they went and, and they sold it in the exact same way. They sold it with, you know, with, there's inequality and we need to make things better. And if you give it to yeah. us, we're going to make it fair. And, you know, we know we've seen this story happen many Many, many times before we see the result, this is exactly what they're doing. They only care about their power grab. That only works with the elites. Then they have the poor. There will be no middle or working class. It's going to be that barbell that we see throughout history. And that's what gives them the ultimate power. And it is at the expense of your freedom, your wealth creation opportunities, and frankly, the foundation of this country. There's still a chance that we can turn this around, though, don't you think? I do. I do. But we have to get people involved who have the fortitude to go in and reset the system. You know, we have a situation where the government, without any, you know, of this magical COVID relief, they're projecting for this fiscal year to spend $5.8 trillion. That's like a quarter of the GDP. Like, we can't have that happening. Every dollar that the government is spending and is taking away from the private uh, sector is is just money that's being transferred one place to another. It's not productive use of capital. And so we need to have people who are willing to not just talk the talk, but actually walk it, to go in and say, this is enough. We have to change things. We can't just kick it down the road. We need real reforms. And, you know, unfortunately, we are dependent upon people to do that. Na, 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 na. 